0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, May 9th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Austerity may have lost at the French ballot box this weekend, but the reality is that it's yet to be tried. And the popular whipping boy for austerity opponents, Ireland, has actually dramatically increased the burden of government. So says Dan Mitchell, a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. How should Francois Holland be Interpreting his victory.
1: He should count himself as very lucky because he didn't win. Sarkozy lost. Sarkozy made himself personally unpopular. Sarkozy never followed through on his reforms other than a, uh, a minor increase in the retirement age from 60 to 62. Uh, Sarkozy, like Obama, I mean, Hollande, like Obama, was lucky that uh, he ran when his opponent had to defend a weak economy. Uh, so there's really no pro Hollande in there. I think there's anti Sarkozy.
0: A repeated refrain that comes out of this election in France is the quote-unquote failure of austerity. How do you interpret that claim?
1: France hasn't cut government spending at all. It hasn't even cut government spending relative to inflation. Uh, it's raised taxes, which of course is what austerity really means to Europeans, is let's tax people more and make keep government at the same bloated size. Uh, and Hollande says, oh, we can't have austerity, we can't have spending cuts. Well, there haven't been any spending cuts and now he's actually arguing – that France should uh, adopt a Keynesian stimulus package, which I'm sure won't work any better for him than it did for Obama in 2009, Bush in 2008, Japan in the 1990s, and Hoover and Roosevelt in the 1930s, making government bigger as a recipe for stagnation, not growth, but it's very convenient for politicians who want to buy off or reward political supporters.
0: It seemed like these efforts, these Explicit austerity efforts, as they are, are claimed to be, were attempts to get markets to view those attempts as credible. Uh, that th- this was a change, a credible change, that markets could then look at and say, "All right, now we're willing to to reinvest here, we're willing to loan here."
1: Well, I think one of the reasons that countries like Greece, Spain, Italy, Portugal, etc., can't borrow on private credit markets is precisely because. They haven't done the types of real reforms. The Baltic nations have done the reforms. Lithuania, Latvia, Lithuania, uh, and Estonia, uh, they made genuine and meaningful spending cuts right away, not phony spending cuts where you increase spending at a slower rate than you were planning to. They actually reduced government spending. Uh, It was painful, no question about it, Uh, but it's like taking off a Band-Aid. Better to do it quickly. They did it, Uh, it's worked, their economies are growing again. Whereas the rest of Europe, they seem to be stalling as much as possible, uh, pretend spending cuts and real tax increases. And that's not a recipe for growth or prosperity. And I think that's why we're seeing Southern Europe continuing to languish.
0: Paul Krugman and others have pointed to Ireland as sort of a whipping boy for attempts at austerity, that just clearly have failed? What's the mistake in in claims made about that?
1: Ireland dramatically boosted the burden of government spending last decade, and that got them in trouble in the same way it got Greece and Portugal and Italy and others in trouble. Uh, But the real problem with Ireland is that they did a giant bank bailout where they not only bailed out depositors, which is what normally you have with some sort of a financial system bailout, but they decided to bail out all the creditors, the bondholders in the banks. And so they they imposed upon themselves for inexplicable reasons, not only uh, a dramatic increase in government spending, uh, but then when everything came apart, when their property bubble burst, they bailed out the banks completely. Uh, and of course, they raised tax rates as well. And so Ireland, which for some time in the 80s and 90s, uh, was actually a good a success story, a role model. They reduced government spending from more than 50% of GDP down to about 32, 33% of GDP, and they had cut tax rates. Uh, But then they got fat and happy in the last decade, let government spending get out of control. They had a property bubble, and then they've reacted completely the wrong way in every possible sense. And now- Unfortunately, since that's the country of my ancestry, I, I see very little chance of Ireland pulling out of its tailspin. I think they're going to be a, a conventional, stereotypical, no-growth, stagnant European welfare state for the rest of uh, our lives.
0: Is it possible for European states, given the monetary union, to escape uh, the fate of their neighbors?
1: Any nation, no matter how well-managed its economy, if it has substantial trade relations with a bunch of neighbors who suddenly go into the tank, it's probably gonna hurt you. I mean, if everyone else in your neighborhood uh, catches a pneumonia, you're probably gonna get sick too. Uh, But in the long run, if a country decides to do the right thing, even if all its neighbors are doing the wrong things, they're gonna be better off. And I cite Switzerland as an example. Switzerland has managed to reduce the burden of government spending. over this period when everyone else has been increasing government spending, uh, their tax rates are low. They have a very decentralized system. They have the type of federalism we used to have in America. They've still preserved it. Not as much as they should, and cert- but they've certainly done a better job than we have. So I, I think the Baltic countries have some things we should look at and applaud. I think Switzerland, among Western European economies, is really the only success story. Dan Mitchell is a
0: senior fellow at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.